Hi, welcome to the Coffee Chat. On today's episode, I'm talking all things hormones and birth control with Amanda Montalvo of Hormone Healing RD. Amanda is a women's health dietitian who went through a really long journey of healing her hormones after being on birth control for over a decade, which led her to start her business to help other women do the same. She's here to tell us that dealing with low energy, bad skin, anxiety, and PMS are not the new normal for women. Today, we're going to talk about the side effects of the birth control pill, IUDs and other birth control options, supplements, how nutrition plays a key role in hormone health, and a few really practical tips for balancing your hormones. With that, please welcome Amanda Montalvo. I've really loved all of your content. It's taught me a lot about, like, who knew I could learn so much from, like, one Instagram post. <laughs> I'm so just happy you take advantage of it. You know, I share a lot, so. Yeah, how, I mean, how long does it take you to actually, like, create all of those? It must take you a very long time. You know, I, it's like you, I definitely have gotten better and like more efficient, like the longer that I've done it, which I'm sure you've learned the same thing with like podcasting and stuff, but it's now it's just like, mostly I'm just taking things from client sessions or from like my healthy period protocol program. And it's, I'm, it's like, it's still lots of teaching, but it's more of like sharing my methodology around it, which is just it's a lot easier, you know, versus like trying to like debunk different things or, you know, teach on a specific like supplement or herb. It it just, it's much more of like my own practice now. And so now it's not as bad. And I still make them all myself though. I can't hire it out. I just can't do it. I've like tried and it didn't work. So it's okay. I enjoy, I enjoy doing it. It's definitely one of my passions is sharing on Instagram. For sure. And I'm sure with like hiring it out, it's such, it's content that's not, not all of it is medical related, but like, I'm sure you want it to really be in your own voice and stuff too. Yeah. And it's like, I I try to have someone help me and the stuff she made, I'm like, this isn't going to help people, you know, like, but I think it's, it's like, yeah, it's cool information, but like, where are they going to go next from this? And I think that's kind of what has changed a lot with my Instagram and what I share. It's just, I'm like, here's a way, here's like a view on hormone health. Cause there's a lot of different takes now, especially like as the world kind of like grows and gets more popular. Um, and I am definitely feel very strongly with how I approach it. So it's hard to like one convey that in social media post myself and then like have someone else try to do it. Well, can you tell us a little bit about hormone healing RD, your Instagram, your your brand, and how you got started? Yeah, so I uh, I'm gonna take it back to college days because that's really where I, I started my my own personal like hormone healing journey. I was originally in school studying dietetics, and in my mind, I was like, I'm gonna do sports nutrition because I competed in CrossFit. I was an athlete. I was on the rowing team at the University of Connecticut, and so so that was kind of my world. And then I was learning about the pill in school in class one day because one of the areas we learn about is medications and how they impact the body and then how you counsel patients to either like eat 
certain foods or supplement, like say, for example, like metformin depletes vitamin B12. So like, how do you counsel someone on that? And they talked about the pill and how like typically you want to be taking a multivitamin or a prenatal because it depletes a bunch of different nutrients. And I was like, okay, <laughs> no one told me that. I've been taking this for seven years and I had no idea. So that was like my first little inkling. I dug in, did a ton of research on it. And I was like, maybe this is why I haven't been feeling so great lately. And I decided to come off. Didn't think anything of it. Didn't talk to my doctor, just stopped taking it after I finished my last pack. And that is when I learned all about women's health because my period didn't come back. My skin got way worse. Like I always struggled with acne, but it got really bad. Um, my thyroid went completely into the tank and no one can help me. I was in completely like just shocked. I, I was like, how can this be possible? I'm like talking to my doctor, going to my gynecologist and everyone's just telling me to go back on the pill. And it was really frustrating. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to have to figure this out myself. And I saw a big deficit in women's health. I'm like, is there even a women's health? You know, that's not just like take the pill, go to the gynecologist, like get surgery. I, I just seemed like there was no other options. I mean, this was 10 years ago though. Um, so yeah, that's what got me really into it. And I shipped my entire focus from sports nutrition to women's health. And now I'm here. <laughs> I hear that so many times. And that's happened to me as well. When you go to the gynecologist or primary care doctor, they, you, their answer for things oftentimes is to go on the pill. I f have found and heard that that's like, there's so many side effects to it. Um, like you mentioned, just the vitamin depletion and stuff. What are some of the most common problems that you see and hear from day to day? Is it related to birth control from women or are there other things as well? I think that birth control is one I hear a lot because it's something that we, it's almost as a woman, you feel like you can't avoid it, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're trying not to have a kid right now, or if you don't want to have kids, it's, or you're, maybe you're trying to time it. It's really frustrating because you're kind of like, okay, so I can take the pill. And some people take the pill and they feel fine. And that is amazing for them. And it doesn't mess with their fertility long-term. I think it really depends on the person's health history. Like I had a family history of breast cancer, so I should not have been on the pill I was on. It was very irresponsible of my doctor to give me one that had estrogen in it. And so I think it depends on the person, but yeah, like it's a struggle to figure out what is the method of birth control that will work for me and not impact how I feel on a day-to-day -day basis. So that is one that I, I feel like I hear a lot. Um, I also just get a lot of women that have done lots of different diets. Um, and sometimes it's not even weight loss. Often it's just that they're trying to be healthier and feel better. And so whether it's for weight loss or trying to feel better, they've done a lot of different things and they almost feel worse. <laughs> and they're kind of like, um, what did I do? Like what's happening? Or how come I don't feel better no matter what I do? I get a lot of that PCOS, thyroid and endometriosis. Those are probably, and then acne, cause I had, that's a big part of my story. So I tend to attract a lot of people that struggle with that. Um, but yeah, those are like the main areas that I help women with. And what do you usually say or find when somebody comes to you with one of those issues, or let's say they are somebody that's healthy and has been eating healthier? Um, what, I guess, what is like a next step that they can take? A lot of the times 
I, it's like, you have to start with the foundations and I think nutrition is the number one. And it's, it's so much more than eating clean. I hear this all the time of like, well, I already eat clean. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, is food dirty? I don't know. You know, like it's like, where did we get this whole like weird concept of eating clean? Um, I think it's from the fitness world, but like a lot of times I'll hear that and I'm like, but you, but are you eating in a way that's going to nourish your body and support your metabolic health and your thyroid health? Cause that's really going to dictate how you feel and how the rest of your body functions. And so that's like step one. I have a nutrition course that um, anyone that works with me, they go through it. Or if people want to work with me, but I, maybe I have a wait list at the time or something, or they don't want to work one-on-one, I'm like, just do the course. You will learn so much. It's, it's where it's, it's step one. Cause if you don't understand like why you're eating the foods that you're eating, or maybe you're eating in a way that is creating more stress in your body, right? It's like, if you can focus on that first and eating in a way that keeps you completely nourished, then I think that is like where everyone should start because then you can look at, okay, I did these things and I've noticed these changes, but maybe I'm still struggling with fatigue or maybe I'm still like having a really long cycle or something like that. You know, it's like, that's when you can start to dig deeper, but you can't ever skip that step. That makes sense. And do you often recommend, so going back to birth control a little bit, do you often recommend that women go off of it or is it case by case? Um, are there types of birth control you recommend? Um, I've, I've heard that there's some that are like hormonal and some that aren't, so some might be better than others. But um, for anyone listening who sort of wants like a 101 on birth control, what's one that you recommend? So I would never tell someone what to do birth control because it's such a personal choice but I think it's helpful to know how do they impact the body and how do you feel like if you've tried the pill but it maybe you feel like you have even more mood swings and it's worse like all your symptoms are worse taking it then that's when I would say like let's try something else um I generally just don't think the pill is a great option because it it has so many other side effects like depleting nutrients. It is shutting down your hormone function. Um, And so if you have like healthy cycles prior to taking it, then you're probably going to be fine when you come off. But a lot of women are taking it for PCOS, cycle irregularity, not having a period um, or really heavy painful periods. And so when you come off, that stuff is not fixed. Uh, So that's when I would consider like where you are in life. I think that matters a lot. Um, I mean, I used the pill in college and then I transitioned to a copper IUD, uh, which is technically non-hormonal, but copper is also like not the best thing to have inserted inside your body. So um, I think there's pros and cons, but I think if you want a non-hormonal form of birth control and you don't already have really heavy, painful periods, that the copper IUD could be a good option um, because it technically doesn't alter your hormones and you ovulate on it, which is really nice. So you're still going to be making your own hormones. The only kind of concern is that this leaves out a really big part of the population. Like if someone has endometriosis, or fibroids, I would not recommend the copper IUD because you have more cramping and heavier periods. So it's like, if you already have that, just know that it will be exacerbated with the copper IUD. Um, some women don't experience cramping. I would say that is a very small major, uh, minority of people that use the copper IUD, but I think it could be a good option for people, especially if you're maybe you're on the pill and you're like, or you have a hormonal IUD and you're like, well, I want to maybe start using the fertility awareness method. That's my preferred 
form of birth control. Um, so many people think of using it to get pregnant and yes, you definitely can. And I think you should because it, it will make your life a lot less stressful because you're not kind of guessing, um, when you're actually trying to conceive, but it works for preventing it as well. So that's when you identify your fertile window. Right. So it's like we're kind of told that we can get pregnant every day of our cycle, which is not true. Um, and it's very frustrating when a lot of women hear that because they're like, but I take a pill every day in order to prevent pregnancy at the same exact time. You know, we get all nervous. We got timers in our phones and <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. Um, whereas if you do the fertility awareness method, you still have to check your body temperature every day first thing in the morning that that's going to allow you to see if it when it increases after you ovulate um but then you also should be checking your cervical mucus and that tells you if you are fertile right because it's like cervical mucus is what allows sperm to get really strong and survive and swim up and fertilize the egg um and so if that is present you just assume that you are fertile that day um but yeah, you, there's so many different ways. I mean, fantastic fertility on Instagram is awesome. Uh, she's one of my favorite people to follow for learning about it. She has a really cool course and stuff. And then Fertility Friday, she has a podcast and a really great book. If you're kind of like, oh, I don't like, I feel like birth control isn't, or hormonal birth control isn't working for me, but it is nerve wracking. And I do think you need to learn the method before coming off. So I do have a lot of people that have been on the pill, then got the copper IUD. And then while they have the copper IUD, they start taking their temperature, monitoring their cervical mucus, and basically practicing identifying the fertile window. Um, and then when they feel confident, they get the IUD taken out. Interesting. I started using this app called Flow. I don't know if you've Heard of it? I'm sure you have, but um, I feel like it's sort of similar-ish to what you were saying. It's just more of like a cycle tracking method. Yeah. The only thing is that you we have to we do have to use science to identify the fertile window because if there you obviously you can get pregnant when the day that you ovulate and then five days leading up to that technically because uh, sperm can survive for five days. So. As long as you have, you're using like your temperature and your cervical mucus. Some people just use cervical mucus. I was not taught that way, so I don't know how that works. Um, but I know it is technically a method. Uh, the one I'm talking about is the symptothermal method. So you're using your cervical mucus and your temperature, and then you get a really great picture of when are you fertile. And then once you've confirmed ovulation, it's like, okay, I can't get pregnant now. So it's, it's really neat. And it also, you learn so much about your, your cycle and your health. Like you get to see like, oh, my temperature is only 96 point something, right? That's low. So then that gives you information of like, okay, maybe my metabolism or my thyroid's a little bit sluggish. And then you can see like, oh, I, I ovulate on day 21 and my cycle is only 28 days. So I only have a seven day luteal phase. You know, like you get all this cool information that you can learn how to use to kind of see like how your hormones are. Interesting. And you mentioned before just coming off the pill, um, some of the issues you faced prior to going on the pill, um, with acne or um, other things sort of came back. And I'm sure that's the case for a lot of women. What were some of the issues that you face? How did you sort of go about like tackling all of them? Yeah, I would say, I mean, like, so I did it all wrong because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but eventually I learned, but now 
obviously I have a much greater understanding and I have women focus on four areas when they're coming off the pill or any hormonal birth control could be the IUD, could be the implant. Um, it's all basically you want to support your body the same because you're giving your body hormones that it then has to process. So the main areas that I have women focus on like during that transition um, is leading up to you really want to just focus on your liver. So like, yes, we want to replenish nutrients, but also you really want to make sure your liver is working properly and just that it has some extra support, right? Because as you come off, you have hormones that your body's still going to be getting rid of. And then you also have hormones that your body's going to start making. So you go through this period of just having a lot of extra work for your liver to do. And so that's usually when I'm like, try to do something prior to that could be um, like in my course, I have like a liver elixir recipe. um, That's just like a nice blend of like chlorophyll and citrus and cranberry and like this herb blend and sea salt. And so it's like, really helpful for supporting your liver. So doing that a couple weeks before at least, and then for at least a month after. Um, and then the basics, which is just like, if you don't, if you're not eating enough protein, then your liver, it's not going to function as well, right? Cause it needs amino acids, B vitamins, vitamin C, a lot of things that are depleted by the pill. So like focusing on getting like a nice mix of animal and plant foods is really helpful in your diet. Um, I just did a post about that today and, um, trying to, just kind of like sleep more, the basic lifestyle things that seem very simple. But if you're already super stressed, maybe you're going through stressful time. I feel like times are always stressful now. Um, And then you're coming off the pill. Maybe you're not getting enough sleep. Maybe you're not eating as well, or you're not eating enough. You know, your body's getting a little extra stress from that. Then it's probably not going to go as smoothly. And it's usually not like your first period when you come off, it's usually not even the first few months. It's usually months like four to eight that people all of a sudden are like, Ooh, my periods just got way more painful. Um, my skin's freaking out. It's like they get all the symptoms later and it just shows you how long your hormones are being processed out. Um, and how much a big effect it has. So like focusing on liver, getting enough sleep, not overdoing exercise. Like you obviously want to move, but if you do a lot of intense exercise, like the couple weeks after coming off the pill, I'd just try to take it easy. Um, give yourself plenty of rest days. And then, so that's kind of like the stressed piece, the liver piece, and then digestion, um, and then nutrient replenishment. So like when you, one of the things that the pill does is it creates a little bit of an imbalance in our bacteria in our gut. And that can just lead to having a tendency for a little bit more overgrowth of bacteria that's not necessarily pathogenic, but it's not the most optimal kind. And so when we start to get those imbalances, you can have digestive issues. You maybe aren't breaking down your food as well. Maybe you're dealing with some bloating, um, indigestion, like acid reflux, that sort of thing. You want to make sure that you're doing some sort of digestive support, which could just be apple cider vinegar before your meals. You know, like it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You don't need digestive enzymes. I would just do something like bitters or vinegar prior to your meals to make sure that you're really breaking everything down. And then that is going to help support your entire environment in your gut and get you the nutrients that you need from your food. So it's a lot, it's, but it's like, if you kind of break it into those four main areas, I think you'll be covering all your bases and it really eases the transition. Wow. I didn't, I haven't even heard about liver function when it comes to hormones. I don't know if that's just the something that you never really hear about from doctors or, you know, 
it's just not as common to hear about liver. So that was interesting. Yeah. And it's weird because our liver does like everything <laughs> for the body and our hormones. I mean, it's like it processes them. So any all of like your estrogen and everything. Um, but it's also really important for converting thyroid hormone, for taking cholesterol and converting that to hormones. So it's a it supports digestion. So it, it's a really big one. Um, and I think a lot of people think of liver and supporting your liver with like herbs and stuff like that. And it, yes, it can do that. But if you don't have the building blocks for what your liver needs to just go through all its regular functions, then even just focusing on food for that is super helpful. Yeah. When you say apple cider vinegar, do you mean just taking a small, like one ounce of it, almost like a shot before a meal once a day? Or how do you um, take apple cider vinegar? So you could even just do like one to two teaspoons. It doesn't have to be a lot. Um, most of my clients will put it in a little bit of water. And then um, I was just teaching one of my classes last night. And one of the women in my group is a uh, dental hygienist. And she's like, please use a straw, everyone. Like, <laughs> because it can wear on your enamel. And this, if you use a straw to drink even just like that little bit of apple cider vinegar, it'll just make it so that it does, it's not like having as big of an impact on your teeth. So nice. Kristen, if you're listening, everyone <laughs> uses a straw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. Though. Little things you don't think of. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Cause you don't want to be um, supporting your liver and then hurting your enamel. So apple cider vinegar with a straw. Yeah. You touched a little bit on thyroid function and I have heard a lot about thyroid lately. When I um, said that I was having this episode with you, they were asking, oh, ask her about thyroid. So just generally, how does your thyroid impact your health? And like, what are some signs that maybe your thyroid is off and that you need that checked? Yeah. So thyroid is, I mean, it impacts everything because every cell in the body has a thyroid receptor. Um, and so what that means is that it's really driving the metabolism and how each cell is functioning and making energy. And so, for example, like if you have a sluggish thyroid, then that means everything, all those other processes in the body are going to be slowed down. So digestion gets slowed down, detoxification gets slowed down, hormone production gets slowed down. And then of course, that's going to impact how you feel. So thyroid is, it's right there with metabolism. Um, metabolism is just the little engine inside each of our cells in the body that creates energy. And so if metabolism and thyroid are slow, then everything else all those other processes slow down. Um, and then eventually that will lead to imbalances and especially hormone imbalances. And so if you have an imbalance in your hormones, like maybe you got them tested and your progesterone is low, um, maybe all your hormones are low, maybe estrogen is high. And when that happens, that means that something has been brewing for a very long time. And so that, and usually we can connect that back to our metabolic health and our thyroid health. So it really impacts everything specifically for our cycles and our actual like sex hormones. Um, the biggest way it's impacting it is that inside our ovaries, we also have thyroid receptors, right? We have them everywhere. And, and we need to have adequate thyroid hormone binding to those so that we can stimulate ovulation in the first place, which ovulation is really like the star of the menstrual cycle. 
because that's how we make progesterone, right? So it, most of the time when we have a period issue, maybe it's lots of PMS, maybe it's like acne around that time, maybe it's painful, heavy periods. It is usually in relation to having imbalance in estrogen and progesterone. And so if we don't ovulate every month, then we're not making progesterone every month. Um, the issue though that I often see is I have a lot of clients that they do ovulate every month. So they're making some progesterone, but they don't have enough thyroid hormone getting into their cells. So then that corpus luteum, which dictates how much progesterone we make just doesn't, it's not working as well. Right. So then you, even though you ovulate, you're making less progesterone. And so that's why it's really tricky. Like if you, maybe you have a lot of symptoms, but your thyroid looks normal, right? You go to the doctor, they test your TSH and they're like, it's normal. It's within range. Um, you can still have plenty of symptoms because you might not be, well, normal doesn't mean optimal, number one. And then you might not actually be getting that thyroid hormone inside your cells to do its job. So then you're kind of stuck because you're like, well, my thyroid works, but I still have all these symptoms. Maybe you're cold. Maybe you're um, getting ac acne is a very common symptom of thyroid issues. And I feel like no one talks about that. Um, like dry skin, oily skin, acne, um, low body temperature. This is when I have a lot of my clients or really everyone track. And that's just that basal body temperature. Again, like we were talking about with fertility awareness method, when you take your temperature first thing in the morning, you get a really good picture of what your metabolism is doing, which is really indicative of thyroid health. It's not a perfect like test measurement, but way before we had thyroid blood testing. And even when it first came out, people used body temperature to diagnose oh, hypothyroidism. And a lot of people will disagree. And there's some thyroid dietitians out there that don't like that. I talk about this. Um, but I think it's, why would we keep a tool that someone can do basically for free at home and not teach them about it? So if your temperature is below 97.8, especially like first half of your cycle, then you know, like, okay, things are a little bit slowed down, you know, and you want to look at, am I eating enough? Am I super stressed? Did I get enough sleep last night? Um, alcohol can change your body temperatures. Uh, exercise can lower them. If you're like, you know, sometimes usually the day after the morning after I exercise the day before, it's like a little bit lower. So it's good to have like rest days, you know? So that's like a really good indicator, but pretty much every symptom, like if you ever look up hypothyroidism, or I think I have a post that has symptoms, it's literally everything. Like every issue could be related to your thyroid. And it just goes back to every cell has a receptor. It impacts pretty much every function in the body. So that's why. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think thyroid... Um, you know, you can get a blood test for it. It is something that could be treated. So it's almost a welcome thought that like, oh, maybe it could be my thyroid and nothing worse. Um, just because there are, are like, you know, cures for it, whether it be with medicine or um, a more natural path. Yeah. Do you have one tip or recommendation for women to have better periods? You've given a lot of tips, but is there like one top tip that you like to recommend? So I think it's reducing your stress with food because it's something that most of us have a decent amount of control over and you don't have to be perfect at it to see results, which I think is really nice. So if you can, and the way you do that is it's all about balancing your blood sugar throughout the day because when our blood sugar drops, we release cortisol, our stress hormone, in order to bring it back up. 
Um, and a lot of what that is doing is taking sugar from our liver to bring that blood sugar up because that's how we stay safe. That's when it drops too low, our body gets into this like sympathetic stressed out state. Um, so if you balance your meals with proteins and carbs, fats are always going to be in there, right? It's like, especially for eating animal foods, but like getting some mostly protein carbs and some fat throughout the day that is like the number one way to reduce stress. Um, and I think that we we're always looking for something very fancy. A lot of people are doing low carb. A lot of people are doing intermittent fasting or like even like crazy diets, like autoimmune paleo protocol. Like I just think that it doesn't have to be that complicated. And oftentimes when we go back to something that is a lot more simple, um, like for example, doing the protein, fat and carb and not skipping breakfast, you know, like eat breakfast, eat lunch and dinner, or have some snacks if you're hungry. That is number one. Um, and then that will also help you sleep better, right? A lot of people struggle with falling asleep and staying asleep. So if you can do those things throughout the day, uh, then you're going to sleep better, which is going to automatically help your hormones and your liver and your thyroid. So I think even just balancing your meals and getting away from any extremes when it comes to food is probably like the number one thing I would have people do first. Well, yeah. So balancing with, you said proteins and carbs so that your sugar doesn't spike because that or drops. Oh, drop. Yes. Because that increases cortisol, which is yeah. not good for anybody. <laughs> and it just uses up a lot of your stored glycogen in your liver. Mm -hmm. And so if you have all these low blood sugars throughout the day, and then maybe you're also working out and you're definitely using up liver glycogen and muscle glycogen, then that's just the stored sugar. Um, it gives you energy while you're training. Um, and then you find that you're like waking up in the middle of the night. You know, it's like, it's all connected. So if you can minimize stress, especially if you have a lot of mental, emotional stress right now, which I feel like most people have been going through, then you coming back to your food and being like, am I feeding myself? Because that's usually the first thing that goes when we're stressed is like, either we're not going to care about what we're eating and eat for comfort, which I think is totally fine. Um, but then making sure that you're also getting some nourishing foods in there too, so that you can have energy and feel good. Um, but yeah, it all, I think balancing your meals and not skipping meals is a really great place to get started. And do you have any supplements that you recommend women take? Um, or is it, it's case by case, I'm sure, but are there, yeah, are there any supplements you recommend? Um, yeah, there are some that I would say like pretty much everyone can take like a beef liver supplement. That's what I use for a multivitamin pretty much because it's got a really great source of B12, all your B vitamins, vitamin A, copper, zinc, selenium. There's so much in there and it's a whole food form. And this is really important when it comes to supplements because if when we start isolating certain vitamins and minerals from food, they often are missing certain important components that we might not even have discovered yet in science, right? Like think of vitamin C. People take ascorbic acid. That is like one tiny tiny component of what's in a vitamin C molecule. There's copper in there normally, which is like really important for producing energy and balancing our hormones. Um, and so it's when, when we start isolating things, I'm like, be careful, try to stick with whole food based supplements. Like beef liver is a great, like multivitamin type option. Um, and then I would say magnesium is a really good one for most people. Um, but 
I would say vitamin E, but make sure you're talking with your doctor. So, cause like some things like might be contraindicated for some people, but I think right. beef liver is one that we can all benefit from. Cool. Interesting. And do you have any resources that you recommend for the audience? I have a free healthy period guide that could be, it, it kind of goes into a lot of the things that we talked about goes through your cycle, the different phases, a little bit on nutrition, your body temperature. So I feel like that's a good place to start. I can send you the link if you want. Um, And I do have a blog. Like I know Instagram is great, but finding things can be kind of difficult on there. So I try to put a lot of my posts into blog format. Um, And so that way, if people want to share it with someone or if they like want to not read it on their computer, I would say like definitely go to my blog. There's a ton of information. Um, And yeah, I think those are great places to start. Thank you so much for your time today. And I've really enjoyed talking to you and of course, reading all of your content. Where can listeners find you? So I would say I'm most active on my Instagram. It's Hormone Healing RD, And then definitely, I would say like the other place that I definitely show up every week is my newsletter. So are you on my newsletter? I am, yes. Yeah. The, the weekly. Feminine periodical. Yeah. So that one goes out every Sunday. And I just like... I love it and I get a lot of really good feedback on it and it's like thoughts of the week. So it's usually something that I'm researching a topic that I'm digging into for a client maybe, and I'm expanding on that, uh, which people like nerding out on me with, which is cool. Uh, and then I share a blog or a podcast that I was on. Um, and then something I'm obsessed with. So it's, it's fun. Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining the coffee chat. If you're looking for more tips like what Amanda shared today on hormone health and nutrition, check out her resources at hormonehealingrd.com. Here's my favorite takeaway from my interview with Amanda. Amanda was super practical about how to improve your hormone health, and I really appreciate that she was able to break down the science into really tangible tips. My favorite tip was to take a beef liver multivitamin because it has all the B12, selenium, and other vitamins that you need in a whole food form. There's one on vital proteins that I found, but if you have any other brand recommendations, definitely let me know because I'm always trying out new supplements and I love this recommendation from Amanda. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.